Welcome to the Presentation Boss Podcast. I'm Kate Norris. I'm Thomas Craft. And we're here to help you plan, design, and deliver your best presentation. Welcome, bosses, ladies, gentlemen. Thank you, everybody, for joining in and listening to episode 65 of the Presentation Boss Podcast. It's like the middle, late July, and we're doing an episode that rhymes because we're talking about dry. Dry July. I think that doesn't mean what you think it does, but... Oh, golly. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, today we're doing how to present dry information. That's it. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you know that a lot of the people that we work with are people who are real experts in their um, subject matter. We enjoy working with engineers, accountants, analysts, academia, academic scientists, the people, IT, those people who are in those industries and those areas that are not often seen as the most creative, engaging, fun areas. And often the subject matter is referred to as dry. So today we're going to try and break out of that perception that your information sucks because these areas can be really interesting. They can be presented in a really engaging manner. And we're going to have a chat about some of the ways that you can actually do that. So we've got five sort of key strategies or philosophies that we'll have a chat about and go into detail on. And hopefully you can apply those if you're in one of these, you know, air quotes, dry topics, which we don't actually believe that topics are dry and boring. But if you're in that sort of industry and field, apply these fellas and you should be able to give engaging presentations and communicate your brilliance. Hmm. I think as we move through these five topics The underlying philosophy that we have when we work with folks is that really any topic can be interesting. You don't have to be talking about something that is, you know, quote unquote, exciting and interesting and sexy and new and flashy, but any topic can be interesting. The failure to make it interesting for your audience is almost a failure of imagination or adding a little bit of creativity to ensure that the information that is interesting and important to you as the person who has researched, discovered, worked with it, can be as interesting to your audience, even if they are a non-tech type audience. Hmm. All right, let's head into number one, and this will probably come as no surprise again to regular listeners of the podcast. We are talking about audience. (laughs) We do talk about audience almost more than the presenter. We do. (laughs) When you have some sort of heavy, dry, detailed information, the first thing you need to do is think about your audience and let them know why they care about this subject. Why do they actually need to and want to listen to you? And one of the greatest ways to do this is to start by setting up the problem that your thing is going to solve or alternatively, the opportunity that it's going to create. What you really need to do here is ask yourself some questions in the preparation for your presentation. So when you know who your audience is, ask the question about why is this problem or opportunity relevant to them? Mm. And if it's not immediately obvious to you, maybe you need to think about how could it be relevant to them? So if you look at our last speech breakdown we did, she made this point that the sciences can be poorly communicated But it's all of our problem because scientists are solving the big problems in the world. So Mm -hmm. we need to find a way to uh, help this communication happen. Hmm. Right. That makes it relevant to everybody listening, not just folks in the sciences. Which kind of leads into another question you should ask, which is, how will the information I'm sharing affect them? How Hmm. will it affect their projects, their work, 
their life, how they feel? Uh, is there information here they need to proceed? Will it, you know, dictate things maybe like budgets, forecasts, uh, actions within the company, the business or the industry? Or alternatively, things that they care about. So, for example, this is how charities work. They try to get you invested in something that doesn't actually affect your life necessarily, but it significantly affects other people's life. So you try and give that information of how it's actually really affecting someone else. And stories are a really effective way of actually sharing that information. If we take, oh, let's talk about, um, if you're talking about maybe drug efficacy, about how well a drug works or why we need funding for a particular drug, let's say, you could talk about the numbers here and how it is effective in 70% of cases with this sort of low mortality rate. Like, oh, that's when you get dry information. But if you talk about one particular patient, how it is going to affect one person's life, you make it real, you make people care about that particular person, that patient, then it becomes relevant to them. They have an emotional attachment and they're interested then in listening to it. Obviously, the numbers, the data, the information is important and needs to be communicated. So we can use these stories to really frame delivering that content. We can get people engaged and interested. So it could be something like, so to use your example, it could be, uh, let's look at Sally. Uh, She used to have this condition. It prevented her from doing X, Y, and Z. Um, Setting up the problem. Yep. She was a subject in the drug trial or she was given the drug, whatever it might be. Uh, within this time frame, we saw these improvements and now she can do X, Y, and Z. It's improved her life in these ways. You've got a story which frames that beautifully, gives the context. And then you can say, it's not just Sally. We've been doing this trial for some period of time with some number of people and we've seen a success rate of 70%. I mostly agree with that. But I think you still need to ask the question. And and this is what we get trapped into. We have the numbers, so we have to give them. Do you always have to give the numbers? No, not necessarily. Not all of the numbers even. No. You need to ask yourself again, is it relevant? Do they need to know this? What are we actually trying to get them to care about? What are we trying to get them to do? Because that's going to affect the content that's in that. Is it always numbers? No. Is it sometimes? Yes. So let's take another example. Um, I remember doing a workshop last year. must have been the beginning of last year because for some reason I remember being quite heavily pregnant during it. Um, (laughs) Feels like a memorable thing. (laughs) Yeah. I remember speaking to one of the managers in there. Uh, It was an IT group and they were talking about a new database that they had and they were going from, oh, I want to say like maybe paper copies of all of these reports and putting them into a database. And he started telling me about this database stuff and it was your typical... I would say dry information. I was really not interested. It was like far too detailed for the understanding we had of the intricacies of their business and department. Totally. Because I'm not in IT, I didn't have that understanding and it was so far over my head and it was painful to listen to. So right at the end then, he finally got to saying, oh, so we worked out that There was a few incidents that weren't happening in isolation. We actually identified that it was one person who was staying in this accommodation and ruining the accommodation, like creating damage and creating havoc in that accommodation. And when we finally got all this stuff into the database, we identified that it was the same person all this time. And could take the actions to resolve it. Yeah. So here we go. We've got a really interesting story that came out of that. 
Like, I don't care about what your database really does, but what I do care about is that you've managed to identify this one person creating havoc. And because that was kind of interesting, mm. then I was engaged. And I said, you need to start That's with where we this story. Start. That's where we should start, yes. Absolutely. And tell us the problem is that you've got this damage happening. How do you prevent this damage? You implemented this database, and then you worked out that it was the same person. I mean, that might not be the absolute benefit of the database, but it's one specific story that certainly helps. And it helps me to understand why you're doing this. Because I don't care about what your intricacies of the actual software does. <laughs> the code and the... <laughs> yeah. And it could just be, that could just be one anecdote to prove one example of one benefit of the of the database and the software. Totally. You could have other stories where you identified things, found things, saved time, saved money, mm. whatever it might be. So I think the crux of all of this is just to remember that it's not necessarily always about the information that you have, because you will always have so much more information than you need to share. It is all about finding the interest of the audience and why they should care. The second thing we're going to talk about, I see happen a lot in the first sentence or paragraph of a presentation which is we have somebody from one of these uh, quote-unquote dry topic areas who take the speaking area and they start with something along the lines of, I'm really sorry, guys. Um, today, we're going to talk about this new acquisition and how it affects the budget. And I know that it's not very interesting information, but please just bear with me for the next 20, 30, 40 minutes. And maybe you've sat in this presentation or one very similar, and what's your immediate reaction? Your immediate reaction is, this person maybe doesn't care, or maybe there's no reason for me to care, but really they've framed it up that this is going to be boring information and there's probably not a particularly interesting reason for me to listen. Yeah, like I'm set up listening to you say that, like I'm set up there for a painful half hour coming up. Yeah, the moral of the story is don't frame your content that I'm sure you care about and love and have put time and effort into. Don't don't frame that as it being dry, boring, a drag, a waste, or in any way uninteresting. Mm. Yeah, I always say that energy is contagious. If you come in with positive energy, that's what you're going to project. That's what you're going to give to people. And if you come in with negative energy, again, that's what you're going to portray. If you come in going, oh, this is going to be awful, then people are sitting there going, oh, this is going to be awful. But if you come in going, this is going to be great. Let me tell you why it's going to be great. Then people are like, oh, okay, I'll give you a chance. Tell me why it's great. And this is not about being over the top about like, this is going to be the greatest thing you've heard all day. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be better than sex. Literally, you just need to convey your interest and enthusiasm for the topic. So it could be starting with that story. It can be starting with just a positive tone that the audience actually thinks that you care about being there and talking about mm. this. And it's not something purely out of obligation. And maybe it is out of obligation, but like we say, take the opportunities you have and do the best you can with them. So quite often I go bushwalking or hiking or what have you, and you'll be, and I'll be walking down a path in the middle of the sticks somewhere. And you'll see a group ahead of you have just stopped and they're staring off the track like at a clump of trees or something. And you walk up to them and you, you can't help but like, what are they looking at? It must be something really cool, right? <laughs> so you look over at the trees and you're like, it's trees. What's going on? And you're like, and you're thinking like, am I looking for 
an animal? Am I looking for a flower? Is there a ball of lightning? Like, what am I looking for? And you say to them, like, what are you guys looking at? And they're like, oh, we don't know. The group ahead of us was just looking in here. So we got our cameras out. Mm. This is called the social curiosity driver, which is you cannot help but be interested in something that other people are interested in. Yeah. And maybe you've seen this, like walking down the footpath, like you'd be walking down the footpath in a city and somebody's just randomly looking up. And as people pass them, you can see it happen. As people pass them, they'll just also look up because what's up there? We don't know. I think they've done experiments on that where they get try and see how many people they can get, like just looking up into the sky. Like one person stops and looks up and then two people stop and they try and get a big group and the initial person walks away. Yeah. It just, yeah. Keep, it just keeps like yeah, yeah. perpetuating, right? The group just sort of, it just keeps perpetuating, hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is a thing, like, if somebody is interested in something or paying something attention, we want to be a part of that because we don't want to miss out on something that's interesting, that could be a pleasurable experience, that could be worth a little bit of our time. So you're saying to be the first person interested. You're saying to be the person who starts by looking up into the sky and telling people there's something interesting there, except that there will actually be something good there. (laughs) I feel like that's a bad analogy. You know what I mean, though. But but it's exactly that. If somebody else is interested in it, we can't help but be interested in it, or at least explore what is going to be interesting or pleasurable going on here. So framing up your presentation by starting your presentation as it is something at least interesting or worthy of attention, people can't help but also follow your lead. As you say, energy is contagious, Mm. right? People can't help but follow your lead and also be interested, engage with you and listen. All right, number three is all about adding personality. Now, there's this big cultural fallacy out there, and it goes something like engineers are boring, IT people are boring, scientists, academics, all those areas that we talked about, accountants, are seen as boring people. And this is the biggest load of BS that I've ever heard. (laughs) It's true. And I have a personal theory, and that is... That these professions that attract the kind of deep thinkers, they're often introverts, they're often the quieter type of people. Those sorts of people kind of seem to, this is of course a broad sweeping statement, which you know I love. (laughs) (laughs) Those people are often drawn to those kind of areas. Because it requires the deep thought. Yeah. And then you've got on the opposing side, you've got the extroverts, the people like me, who have louder voices, more willing to share their opinion completely unasked for, (laughs) who have just different interests. It doesn't make them better. It doesn't make them worse. It simply makes them different. And they're the ones who say things like, engineering's boring, accounting's boring, and we've got the louder voices. And I admit, I have certainly done this in the past. However, I am married to an engineer. (laughs) I know what these people are like. And they're not boring. So you've got these loud people saying like, these type of people are boring. And I really don't think it's true. I do think it's true that sometimes those types can take a little bit longer to get to know. Like I said, I'm married to one of them. It took me a long time to actually see through the quietness and the extreme introvert to the sense of humor, the personality that sits behind there. So if you are quite introverted not easy to get to know, that does not make you boring. I always like to think the people we have in our workshops that everybody sitting in front of me uh, goes home at five o'clock. You know, they go home to passions, to interests, to families, to uh, entertainment. Like these are all people um, and and they come to work because this is what they're good at. 
Yeah, for sure. And most of the time, that personality is absolutely there and it just takes a little bit more effort to see it. And if you have that kind of personality, that quieter personality, you do need to make a bigger effort sometimes for that to shine through. So what you're saying is find a way to let your personality shine through in your presentation. Yes, yes, absolutely. So what are some ways that we can actually do this? Possibly the easiest one is to use some humor. And oftentimes, if you're talking to peers, your humor is probably going to resonate with them if you've got similar interests. Have you got an example? Yeah, for sure. So let's have a think about um, one of the most boring presentations that you can possibly listen to, which is an airline pre-takeoff safety talk. Oh, the exit to here, here and here one. Put your life jacket on this way. That's the one. Oh, yeah. We've all heard it a thousand times. Now, <laughs> Heard it. I don't know if anybody's ever actually listened to it, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's so boring, right? <laughs> yeah, and it becomes... That is your classic dry presentation. There is an airline that does this exceptionally well, because obviously it is really imperative that you listen to safety information because you need to know what to do in an emergency. New Zealand Airlines does this brilliantly. I actually watched the ad in preparation for this episode and you've got the person up the front who takes that standard information and they twist it slightly and add some humor. So for example, in an emergency, oxygen masks will drop from the ceiling. Put your mask on first then start with the child that you think will make you the most money. Now, the whole presentation is filled with these kinds of lines. Is it changing the information? No. no. It is still very clearly... Getting the information across. Sure. And still very clearly serious information. But people want to listen to it. People want to listen to those little quips. And those little quips sort of almost trick your audience into engaging, like putting the, the terrible magazine down and actually listening and maybe for the first time in quite a number of flights, listening to that important information. Yeah, totally. And obviously it's important information not for you um, as a passenger, but also for the airline as a whole, if they have a better safety record mm. than they otherwise would have. Yeah, for sure. Also, just as a pilot in a past life, I do just need to reiterate that flying has a far, far higher safety record than any other mode of transport. Just, I just need to... Sure, irrelevant, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, we're actually quite easily amused. You don't have to have super funny lines. All you need is maybe just a few lighter things. Your own observations can be really funny. Be careful not to go overboard, but, you know, just a few scattered throughout what you're saying really works. It helps to keep people listening to you and understanding and thinking about what you're actually saying. Yeah, we're not writing stand-up comedy and jokes here. We're just finding the amusing things, finding the little quips, the extra little thoughts that can go in there that just make this a little bit less dry. Mm. Self-deprecating humour is definitely a classic one, but we have talked before, be careful about self-deprecating humour at the expense of your own skill. If you're going to tease yourself, tease yourself about something completely irrelevant, not about your actual expertise. So, for example, I will make jokes about being a pretty terrible driver, about my parenting failures, but I try not to make jokes about my expertise as a presentation coach. What else could you use? You can use little videos or pictures of someone else's scattered throughout to either break up the presentation or add to it. You don't have to create that humor yourself, but it will still help to keep that presentation light and engaging 
and pass on that information. But again, to sum up this whole section, it might take you a little bit more effort, but you need to work out a way to let your personality shine through. I think it makes the difference between dry information being delivered and dry information being delivered well by you. It puts Mm. a personality, a bit of likability and a face to the information. Yeah. One of the quickest ways for information to become boring to your audience is if they do not understand it. Mm. If you talk to your audience about content that is far beyond them or even a little bit beyond their experience level and what they already know as far as the discourse and the jargon and the concepts behind it. If you're just talking what sounds like a different language to them, it will very quickly become a boring and uninteresting presentation. It just becomes noise. It literally becomes noise. So in that preparation we talked about, you need to work out exactly what level your audience is at. Now we know we've had to think about why they may care about this information, but we also need to work out what level of information uh, do they most likely currently already have. And are able to comprehend. Yeah. So are these experts in the field? Are they maybe, you know, fresh out of tertiary education and understanding it? Do they have some experience? Are they really new? Do they just have a passing interest? Or are they maybe in a different part of the of the company and just need to understand the basics and how it affects them? But really understanding that the level your audience is at, so you can speak to that. I heard a quote the other day that almost I almost agree with, and it was dumbing down your information for your audience is rarely dumbing it down. Now, I don't like the phrase dumbing it down because mm. I think that's a little bit insulting, but I think it is actually pretty difficult to go too basic for an audience. Like if you're not super sure what level your audience is at, maybe go a, a level or two slightly more basic and make sure that everybody sitting in that room is up to speed. Mm. It might take a few minutes there to cover some slightly more basic stuff, but then you know that everybody's on the same page and able to understand what it is that you're going to talk about. This means some concepts you may have to anchor for your audience, which is what is the language or the metaphor or the idea I can use to explain the concepts and the information I'm about to deliver. So if I can give an example of this, I don't know how many times I've watched Steve Jobs speak not live, but like stuff, mm. stuff online. And some of his speeches are exceptionally famous. The launch of the iPhone in 2007. It was like a 90 minute presentation. Yeah. Exceptionally famous for how he did that. The other one, which I personally think was even better, was the launch of the iPod. So let's cast our minds back to the early 2000s when the iPod was launched. We understood music to come on CDs at best. Mm. I think maybe the MP3 had been invented. It must have been, right? But mostly people listen to music on CD. So we had this physical object. It was, you know, that round, shiny, and it had an album on it, which is, what, 12 songs or something. Yeah, I think 12 to 30. Oh, we're really showing our age. I've never owned a CD. (gasps) Really? I had a few. I had Spice Girls and Britney Spears. They were the only CDs I owned. You're really showing your age. I know. (laughs) Oh, man. Anyway. So... Apple had clearly thought about what do people understand music is now and how can we communicate this iPod, this MP3 player to them? And he had a really clear sentence in there, which I think is one of the greatest sentences ever written, which was something like, this is the iPod. It puts a thousand songs in your pocket, a thousand songs in your pocket. Now, there's a lot of information can happen there, which is like, 
well, look, the average song is this number of megabytes, the iPod is this number of gigabytes, there's this many megabytes to a gigabyte, so if we do the math on that, we can work out that you're probably going to get somewhere between 950 to sort of 1100 songs, and you can put all of those on the iPod accessible. You have to download it all, and then you'll connect it with... With a 12-pin connector, which is like proprietary software brought to you by Apple. Yeah, there's a lot of ways that he really could have made that. All of that information was not important. It didn't matter to the audience. Because you've got to remember these launch events is like Apple enthusiasts, media, not techno geeks, right? Like, not technically software, hardware-minded people. That sentence, the iPod will give you a thousand songs in your pocket, speaks to everybody that's probably looked at a CD or a vinyl record or a cassette tape. We can understand that. A thousand songs in my pocket. Do we care how they made that happen? Not today. I might in future, or I might at a follow-up presentation, but right now. And I would argue that there were probably plenty of people who are interested in the how, who then would go and look for that information and find out more. Exactly. If we're talking about effective communication to get people engaged and get them excited, the idea of going from a 12-song CD to a thousand songs in my pocket on this little box, I don't know how better you could do that. Makes it accessible and understandable for someone who's not an IT engineer. So, find out that level that your audience is at. It is not condescending to simplify your information to a level that is accessible to your audience. If you've got concepts that are a little bit complex or a little bit new, require a fair bit of explanation, find that anchor. Find the way to explain it in terms that they understand, like a thousand songs in your pocket. Mm. Okay, the final one is not going to work for all situations, all presenters, all presentations at all. This is a little bit more selective. A bit more sometimesy. For sure. And that is to get people involved in your presentation. If you are struggling to get people to engage and to pass on your information, getting people involved is a good way to do this. For example, you can turn things into a competition or like a game. So for example, I used to do this uh, when I was presenting safety information and I had to present the LTIFR, which was the lost time injury frequency rate. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) This is kind of early days in my presenting experience. One of the first things that I did was I would go to these groups that needed to have a vested interest in this and we would play Jeopardy. And that is you give an answer and they had to come up with a question. Right, yeah. Which was like, uh, the answer would be LTIFR and they would have to come up with what is lost time injury frequency rate. So they'd have to remember what I'd told them the previous month because this was the sort of stuff that was given to them every single month. And if I just stood up there and said, this is the LTIFR, This month, remember that that means lost time injury frequency rate. This is why you should care. I flipped it and got them to tell me the answers. I would say something like, what is LTIFR? And sometimes I would have like a little bag of lollies. And if someone got the answer, I'd, you know, chuck them a lolly. Oh, they get the Fantail Award. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And they would have to explain to me why it was important. You flip it around and get them to give you the answers rather than you just always kind of blurting the information to them. We sometimes get a little bit of pushback on this idea, which is I'm the one with the information. I'm the expert. I should be giving the information. Uh, and I think I think people feel like it's a threat on their authority. You know about LTIFR, so you should be the one telling us. Mm. And if you've got somebody else's voice in there telling other people what it means, then it removes the authority from you, Kate, in, as a presenter. And it's just 
not the case. The fact that you mm. can be the one that says, yes, that's the correct answer or, or no, Steve, not quite. The authority remains with you because you're still the one in control. You're just getting engagement. You're handing across a few moments for other people to engage and to add. And you as a presenter kind of know that people are engaged and interested. Yeah. So getting them involved, getting it either a competition or just a little game, making it just a little bit more interesting. It's a great place to start. It does not work in all situations, but have a think about whether it would work for you. It was a really great starting place for me. And so often the information and the wisdom is actually already in the room. So if you're in that situation, get it from the people and not necessarily always just you speaking. Yeah. And it'll help you to gauge your audience as well. Maybe there's some stuff they genuinely don't know and you do have to educate them in that. But I always like to think of it as ask the questions to get the answers that you already know. Yeah. So that is five tips to get you started with how to present dry information. We have, first of all, making sure your audience knows why they should care about this information. Number two is making sure that you frame it positively. Tell them why. Be interested in your information so then they naturally can't help but be interested in that information. Number three is let your personality shine through. If you are in an industry and you've been told that you have no personality, that is absolute BS. Number four, work out the level that your audience is at and work to simplify and explain at that level. And then number five, get people involved in your presentation. Don't feel like you always have to be the only one who is speaking. So just remember, any topic can be interesting. Failure to make it interesting for your audience is kind of just a little bit of a lack of preparation and a little bit of imagination. Hope you found some value in this episode as always. And we will be back next week with another much-loved speech breakdown. If this is the first time listening to the Presentation Boss podcast, check out our last speech breakdown, which we discussed a TED Talk about how to present dry information Mm. as well. So go and check that one out. Otherwise, thank you very much for listening. We'll be in your ears next week. Thanks for listening to today's show. Head to presentationboss.com.au slash podcast where you'll find the show notes for this episode, all other episodes and other free resources. If you have any other topics you'd like us to discuss, email us at podcast at presentationboss.com.au. We're always happy to hear your suggestions for future episodes. Most importantly, we rely on you to share the information in this podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please recommend us to a friend. Or we'd love for you to give us a review on iTunes. It helps more people find us. Have a great week. So, for example, I will make jokes about being a pretty terrible driver, about my parenting failures, but I try not to make jokes about my expertise as a presentation coach. You're a terrible driver. I feel like this speaks to the safety record of airlines again. (laughs) Unless I'm the pilot. Oh, my God. (laughs) Moving on. Moving on. (laughs)